This podcast is brought to you by Fatty15. I know I sound like a broken record. It's like, oh, I've been taking that for a year. The truth of the matter is most of the stuff I share with you, I have been a customer myself long before I ever share it with the listeners because I like to try things. I, I really like to know. And then I feel comfortable going, hey, and on top of it, we can give you a special offer. And Fatty15 was created. It's a scientific breakthrough in the world of healthy aging and longevity. C15 is the first essential fatty acid to be discovered in 90 years. And get this, studies have confirmed that it's three times better, broader, and safer than omega-3. And C15 works in multiple ways. It repairs age-related damage to cells. It protects them from future breakdown. It boosts mitochondrial energy output, and it activates pathways in the body that help regulate our sleep, mood, and natural repair mechanisms for healthier aging overall. And the function, this functionally leads to a myriad of exciting benefits. So now as we age, namely improve metabolic liver and heart health, smoother functioning joints, I really need that, deeper sleep, and healthier hair, skin, and nails. So if I want to pursue you from your vanity, I can say, oh, it'll make your skin pretty. But if you really are interested in your metabolic health, we have that for you too. It comes in a really easy, reusable glass bamboo jar. It is also, for those of you where this is important, it's derived from plants. It's vegan friendly. It's free of flavors, fillers, allergens, or preservatives. C15 is the only ingredient in Fatty15, 100% pure. They have a great offer for you. Fatty15 is on a mission to replenish your C15 levels and restore your long-term health. And you can get an additional 15% off their 90-day subscription starter kit. The other thing I love is they send it the refills in a bag. So you don't have to keep getting bottles and a bunch of waste by going to fatty15.com slash Gabby. And you can use the code Gabby at checkout for an additional 15% off your first order. That's fatty, F-A-T-T-Y, the number one, the number five, dot com slash Gabby for an additional 15% off your first order. Don't forget to use the code Gabby. Hi, I've got Dr. Taz on the podcast. Her latest book, The Hormone Shift, is out, and we talk all things hormones. She shares that there are five phases of your hormone life. What can you expect? How can you support yourself? And also why it is not your sentence to gain unwanted pounds as you get older. What's happening? Or to lose your sex drive for that matter. She also does an amazing job of bringing together East and West and the Chinese philosophy around hormones. And also if you want to explore hormone therapy, what really is the best, most you know, safe way to do that? Because I know it can be daunting and sometimes scary. And the other thing is we're all individual. So even though we might be going through something similar, the way to remedy it or support you, the answer might be different for each of us. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Gabby Ree Show. Okay, Dr. Taz, welcome to the show. Thank you. And let's just dive right in. We're okay. just we're talking about um, you know, this is what you do. You talk about hormones, you have a practice, but yet you were just sharing that your daughter's like, hey, can you um help me get some advice about my skin, you know, and just the best regimen for it? Absolutely. And she didn't want to hear it from her mom. Yeah. She definitely wanted to hear it from anybody else because of course they had more value and more authority than me. Yeah. You know, we, we joke in our house, my husband and I, that an expert is somebody who lives a mile away. Absolutely. And I just want to start with that because you write an entire book called The Hormone Shift. And yet I think it's really comforting to know that 
in our homes for all of us, even when we know, and I put that in quotes, it's, we're, we're all still trying to live and get it done. And before we started, it was, it's sort of like taking best practices, but mixing that with reality that people, and especially females, um, half my audience is male. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might have a partner or a daughter or a sister. And so typically I, I don't do shows that are so female centric, but today we're going to do that. Um, and, and just how do we do it? you know, this notion of doing it all, right. I don't think is realistic. I think you can have it all, just not all at the same time. So how do we really prioritize? And then when we are putting energy towards taking care of ourselves, the most effective way to do that. Definitely. And I know, you know, this is female centric, but I would almost push back a little bit on that, honestly, because I think we need the men on board with this conversation, because if we don't have them, then we're sort of back to the superwoman syndrome, Mm. thinking that we have to do it all. And what I really hope, and I'm sure you do too, is that all relationships evolve to where there's not so big of a burden on women. But here's the fundamental issue. Like we as women, no matter what we do or don't do or accomplish, we're nurturers. We're wired for nurturing. We're wired for caretaking. And I think a lot of the frustration that you see out there is that we can't let that part go, regardless of how many amazing things we may do in the world or even what we're bringing in financially. It's almost irrelevant when you walk through the doors of your home. My husband always tells a story, and I love it. He talks about the Pepsi C, uh, the CEO, uh, Indira Nuri, Nuri, I think. I hope I'm not messing up her name. But she talked about that You know, she was, hey, look at all the things I've done in the world. Look at how important my job is. But she was reminded when she walked through her door that, hey, you're out of milk. Someone needs to go get milk, you know? So for women, that's our story. You know, we are, we are carrying the crux of what's at home, what's outside of the home, what we're building. And we treat anything and everything we do like one of our own children, because that's how we're wired. Mm-hmm. And the more we push back on that, I think we only do ourselves more and more of a disservice. So even our businesses, right? I can't let it go. I don't know if you can let yours go, but I can't let things go. My husband can come home, work is over. He's on the couch. He's doing whatever he's doing, right? I'm still obsessing. I'm still thinking. I'm still plotting and planning. So it's very much just the essential part of us. So what we have to realize is that we're not going to change how we're wired. That's asking us to go against our nature. But what we can change is how we own ourselves, how we take care of ourselves, how we structure the rhythm of a day, a week, a quarter, a year, and how we become accountable for our own health and our actions. And that's a lot of what I'm really hoping women will learn. And I think my next is a lot of hoping what the family will learn, because I think at the end of the day, our individual successes are great, but our family successes are actually more important. Yeah. I think if people choose to have a family, it's like the, it's the thing that if you can even get in the, in the area of, Hey, we communicate, we're connected. Um, there's a level of respect for me if when I'm done on in on this planet, if my kids go like, hey, not bad, I'm gonna feel a real victory. Yeah. More, more than anything else. Cause it, it's the it's so it, it's sort of so all-dimensional. I I wanna say that I I really appreciate the way you approach it because I feel at times what gets thrown around, women can go, it's not fair. And I never understood that because the fact that our nature, our biology, mm-hmm. it just puts us in a just a different 
situation, not, not better or worse. And probably my husband jokes, he's like, we have to make buildings and bridges. The fact that you can have a child if you choose is something that a man will never experience. Right. And they have to go to those great lengths to be like, I made something. I created something. I love that. And, and so instead of looking at, yes, it's, it has its own set of challenges. I mean, having your period, I mean, being an athlete and having your period every month, I used to think, what would a guy in the NBA be like? Like, hey guys, like I got cramps and I'm tired. <laughs> like I'm out of rhythm. I think about that, right? right? Or how right. about beach volleyball? You're in right. a bikini and oh, you're yeah. like, awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's oh, like, this is yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I could tell you a really gross story, but I'm I will. Sure. I'll tell you. No, I had a, not a nemesis, but there's this badass volleyball player. That's probably why I didn't like her because she's so good. Elaine Young's. We didn't love each other. Right. We respected each other. I remember watching other. you through the years. I probably watched one of your matches. <laughs> she comes up to me in a timeout. She's not even playing. She's watching. And she's, this is how, this was a cool moment. She goes, hey, um, your string is hanging out. Oh, man. And I thought, <laughs> oh, shit. You know? So I'm just saying, guys yeah. are not, but yeah. we're dealing with things that they're right. not. And it's just, right. it is what it is. And by the way, our hormones on our cycle, there's a reactive. So there's just... It's so complex, and I don't know how we are trying to make it all same, same. So I really appreciate you writing the hormone shift as equipment, as, you know, here is some information to equip yourself. Right. We make our choices. That's the other side. It's like the other thing is getting the mentality to switch of like, sometimes when you're in the thick of it, you're about to be running around talking about your book. You have a practice at home. You're going to be doing a million things. In the moment when it's the worst, you go... Oh no, but I'm choosing this. Totally. And really getting women to be like, I got to take care of myself. I have to defend my health. Like there's no tomorrow. And my experience is going to be very different than my partner's. Definitely. And I think women need to understand we don't have the luxury of not taking care of ourselves because first of all, we're living longer and living longer can be living in a way that is not so great. We look different. We're not mobile. We can't think, we can't feel, we're isolated, we're depressed, all these other things. Or it can be like this incredible next chapter. Like I get, and I might've written about it in the book, but I get super lit up by the women that come in, kids are done, they're off to school, wherever they're going. And they're like, you know what? I always wanted to be a lawyer. I'm going back to law Mm -hmm. school. You know what? I always wanted to start that business. I'm going to go do that. But they have the vitality and the energy and the cognitive capacity to do all of those things. But if you're not kind of like the steward of your own health, if you're not on top of it, because our medical system is not yet there. It may be there someday, but right now it's not yet there. If you're not on top of it and being that advocate for yourself, then your next chapter may not be the one you want written, right? It may be one with a lot of different diagnoses, with a lot of different conditions, a mental health issue, all these other things that come up, you know? So it's all in our hands, you know? And that's really what I hope everyone takes away from the book, that the power is really in your hands for you to understand your own health, what the trajectory is, how to get help, how to advocate for yourself and how hormones are playing into that, you know, and then ultimately how all the pieces of your health are coming together. Yeah. And I I think having a relationship with that is so helpful because there are times, even if you have, you know, your period or you're going through menopause or whatever, where you also can actually have distance when you have information and you go, I don't know that I'm really feeling this way. Mm -hmm. Something's off and let me totally get this dialed in. So let's, let's dive in. I think we all... When we think of hormones, it's like, oh, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Right. But there's actually seven right. hormones. So maybe we can baby step this 
and talk about the hormones. And, and then I want to talk about the different phases and stages. Absolutely. I mean, yes, you're right. When we think hormones, most people know those three right off the top of their heads, right? But in actuality, there are probably over 50 hormones and there are probably more that we haven't even identified yet. And they all have different functions. But I've identified the seven major hormones, the ones that I really think you need to stay on top of. Those include those three, the estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, but they also include androgens, which are derivatives of testosterone. So things like DHT and DHEAS. It includes cortisol because I think it's so fundamentally important to understand the role of cortisol in the grand scheme of your health for sure. It includes insulin, which regulates your blood sugar and helps you to understand what's happening with blood sugar, which is a huge marker for everything from focus to weight and so much more energy. And then it also includes thyroid. And there's a whole battery of thyroid hormones that I think you need to put together to really understand if your thyroid is working for you. And those hormone, that hormone family, because even within those seven, there are even, you know, little derivatives that we talk about in the book. But that hormone family is the one I think that everyone, whether you are 13, 21, 28, you know, 35, 55, it doesn't matter. I think you need to be on top of because you'll understand, first of all, what your normal is, which might be different from mine. And secondly, you'll be able to see like, oh my gosh, like that's why I feel this way. That's the craziness that's happening right now. Now I understand it. Here's the plan for it. I mean, I just went through this personally where my hormones are shifting and fluctuating all over the place. And I know my husband looked at me, he goes, well, you wrote a book on it. You know what to do. It's great to have a plan, isn't it? And I'm like, you're right. I know exactly what to do. So that's what we, where we want everyone. Like, you know what to do as you're experiencing these changes in these different hormone levels and sort of the, you know, old world saying of you're fine and this is normal and, you know, there's no point checking. Like we really want to do away with probably those three sentences. So the majority of people here, when they start to feel, first you have to acknowledge that you feel bad right? That's the first step. Like something's wrong. And that takes a lot of courage to acknowledge that something's wrong because most of us want to walk through thinking we're invincible, right? This is not happening. I got blinders on. (laughs) Surely tomorrow I'm going to wake up and this is going to go away, right? So that's the first step. Something's off. Something's wrong. The second step, which is super courageous, is let's go get it checked out. And then you go and get checked out and you don't get the answers. And that's a really sort of demotivating, disempowering journey that many people have been on. So we want to stop that, right? So understand these hormones, understand where they are for your body, use the book to see, is this really normal? And then and check yourself. Maybe what I put in there is still not normal for you, but if you're tracking and checking, you know, at like at least a six month interval or so, then you can start to gain a lot of knowledge on what's going on with your body and the direction that you need to take and the tools you need to put into place to start making changes. And it also makes me think when you, when you talk about that, even keeping track, I feel like once we start to even gain a sensitivity and awareness of like, well, when am I going to bed and what am I eating? And did I bother to take a walk today? It almost even feels like that awareness will start pushing you in the right direction. Totally. Because I think a lot of us are on autopilot. We're trying to get everything done. Um, and it, we become disconnected to all those elements of our life. So I, I think it's an interesting other part of it. And this book has a ton of tools, which is just getting someone aware of checking in, what's my day like, what are my best practices, and um, am I doing enough things to support myself? Very much. And I think it doesn't have to be complicated. I think 
we hear a lot, we were talking about this before we came on, about like a lot of different experts and podcasts out there and they're diving into data and they're, you know, diving into the research and the science says this. And I get all of that. All of that is relevant and has a place at the table for sure, because we don't want to be stupid about anything we do, right? But at the end of the day, the best barometer is you. Mm-hmm. It's really, how do you feel? You know, do you have energy? You know, are you happy? You know, just your emotional well-being. You know, are you able to sleep? You know, do you experience joy throughout the day? These are these are tiny ways of checking on yourself. And if you can't answer yes to a lot of those things, then it takes a hard look at what's going on. You know, I talk a lot in the book. There's a whole chapter on emotions and hormones in the book. And I have witnessed this firsthand, both within my home, with probably myself to a certain extent, and then definitely with patients, how with certain hormone changes, you can take a happy, optimistic person and all of a sudden they're dark, you know, and they make decisions in a place of darkness and that doesn't really serve them or anybody else in their lives very well. So I think, you know, again, this, this point of being self-aware, understanding that all the bodies are interconnected, they're all communicating, you know, your hormones are a barometer of what's going on with you and are going to influence every layer of you. I think that's really important. Yeah, that you have a chapter on the science of emotions. Yeah. And I was, my daughter and I were going through that. She goes, Well, sometimes I'm a little here. So we're like, Okay, is that what is that? Is that the spleen? Is that the liver? Like, oh, we're I going, love it. And then I was like, <laughs> This is awesome. And I always, I always have a thing about when I get to Chinese medicine and, and you talk a lot about East and West right. melding, right. is they always talk about my kidneys are weak. And yeah. that's fear and apprehension, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, I would have been a much better competitor. And that, you know, it's so it's, it's an interesting thing that, because you do such an incredible job of also, you did it in a way that it's so simple, but it makes you even more curious. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that a lot. Where is that? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. and uh, even, you know, love in the heart and just different things that you break down. So maybe if someone's listening to this and they go, okay, well, baseline, what are some very common signs like, hey, something's off? Yeah. And I, these are the ones that I talk to patients about in practice all the time and, and they're universal. I've been doing this for 15 years. I don't know how many patients we've seen through our doors, but these are these are the common ones. And I think the first is a disruption in sleep. There's been a change in the sleep cycle. You can't fall asleep or you're waking up throughout the night or of course the hot flashes and night sweats are more obvious signs of that. I think changes in energy. You go from being a super high energy person to suddenly like I don't want to do that. I don't feel like going there. I want to stay home. Like those type of shifts are a big deal. I think you need to pay attention to changes in energy. Another big one that I notice over and over again is just cognition focus. You know, I've got incredible women that come through and they're like, oh my gosh, I was at a meeting with over a thousand people and I was supposed to present and I'm forgetting names or words and what's wrong with me? This has never happened to me before. So I think if you're having trouble with focus and concentration and memory, I think those are universal signs that there's been a shift and something's off. And then I think mood, you know, same thing. If you're like, you know, pretty even keel, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take too much to rattle you. We all get rattled when too many lovers are pulled at one time. But I think if you're pretty even killed overall and now you're like collapsing because the dog barked, like that's that's a shift. That's a change. And so I think it's is really important to understand that those emotional pieces are also what gives, not to call anyone out on the podcast here, but many men I hear say that 
you know, we're emotional or we're hormonal or we're, and we are like the yeah, reality pretty, is yeah, yeah. that we are. But like, I think to understand that it's very difficult to get the answers to that puzzle piece might give everybody a little bit more empathy. But secondly, for all of us, like we got to take ownership of that. If we're, if we're on this roller coaster of emotions, we've got to take ownership of that and try to understand what's happening there. And then I think wait, right? Like tired, and over-discussed and whatever else we want to say about it. But weight is definitely a sign, right? So women will, as their hormones shift, they may gain weight, they may lose weight, they may have a change in body composition. So now they have more belly fat or less muscle. We see all of these different sort of weight scenarios show up in practice when the hormones are shifting and changing. So those are probably the ones that I keep seeing over and over again and the ones that we are usually problem-solving most immediately as we're trying to put this puzzle together. And I I just, you know, and you say this in the book, it's re-emphasizing to women, of course there's changes as you get older. I mean, I'm 54 years old. It's like I'm right. I'm not the same as right. when I was 25, but I'm not that different. Right. And I've had some kids and, you know, I've had some injuries. I've had some things. It's so in a way it's what I, I find fascinating is like, we'll accept feeling like shit and not remembering stuff and having to muscle through everything versus doing a little bit of extra homework or work and take that time to make, to find out what's going on. It is interesting to me that we'll do the one, which is but suffer, not the other. but not go, Hey, you yeah. know what? I need some help. Yeah. Somebody help me. And I'm going to be my advocate. And if you go to your doctor and you go, I, that's not working for me, or yeah. I don't actually accept that. Well, cause you know, that's just how right. it is. <laughs> so maybe I always say to women too, right. if you're, if you're starting this journey, cause it's different if you've kind of been in it, like if maybe for me, I've personally sort of been in self looking out for myself, but if you haven't get a pushy friend, go to the doctor and have like, use a book like yours as a tool to go in and go, well, what about this? And what about that? Mm -hmm. And not just take it as, you know, oh, okay, well, well because I, I feel that that's what makes us angry yeah. when you see middle-aged women and they yeah. seem pissed off. It's like, I'm left behind. Yep. Everyone else has lived their best life. My kids are out. Yes. They're going. My guy's rolling. Right. And we're pissed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the guy's like, well, I don't want to go home. She's pissed. She's pissed. Right. So I think it's also that reminder to people, that would be a great time to be selfish. Very much. And I think that this whole idea of suffering through and powering through... I'm not sure where we all got it from, yeah. but we kind of need to let it, go. let it go. And I think that, you know, everything from our relationships to just our ability to be in the world and decide what we want to do next would would really benefit. And we do hear about the angry middle-aged women all the time, right? Yeah. Like and, and you can a, see it from the guy's archetype, I you think. You can see it from the know? guy's point of view. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, you know why he left. Right. Cause he, you know, it's all this. Right. So I'm not saying I don't see both sides. Right. But at some point, I don't think misery. And yeah, it is. It's different. You, we're always going right. through changes. But by the way, so is everybody. Yeah. I mean, and children, this, men, everybody's changing and all of a sudden, you know, making these transitions. But I think for women, we really are like putting everything and everyone else first. Yeah. And, I, and I think when you, when you talk about these signs, um, it's really important for them to listen to that. The only other interesting part for me is a lot of times you will go to doctors or mm -hmm. I've heard this and either they're not being heard or the doctor, you know, they've got seven minutes and they sort of say, well, you know, this is just the way it is, mm -hmm. you know, right? especially with the weight. I have a right. lot of friends that, uh, well, you'll see. 
I've been hearing that just since wait. I turned 40. <laughs> I, know, right? I love that. Yeah, right. I mean, like, you know, your butt's going to drop and it's all right. over and right. you're never going to have sex again and right. all these things. And it's like, okay, I just block it out and go, I'm going to experience this as it comes to me. Right. So they go to the doctor, but sometimes for whatever reason, that's not overly helpful either. No, because it's the same taglines, right? It's the same. This is normal. Yeah. This is a part of getting older. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, and sometimes it's like, it's all in your head. That's the other one that I hear a lot of too. Oh, really? Yeah. But, um, but mm. weight, it doesn't have to be, yeah. you know, something that women accept. There is a change, right? So what you did at 20 is no longer going to work when you're 40 or 50. There's an absolute change. Even I experienced it. I'm not somebody, we were just talking about this in the car, you know, coming up here. It's like, I am not a skinny person. I'm not somebody that is going to be this wafy person all the time. So now that I'm in, you know, 51, it's, it's like, okay, I've got to, I've got to switch things up and things happen very quickly when I go off my path or off my track. Right. right. So then I have to I redirect, but there are clear patterns that drive the weight that actually have solutions. And one of them is simply the hormone family that we just talked about is changing what the gut's doing, right? It's changing the way your digestion functions. And in Eastern systems of medicine, that's where they always started. They started with the gut, even in homeopathy, which is very German-based, right? They start with the gut and they identify that when the gut slows down, however you want to define slowing down, whether it's like you're not going to the bathroom every day, you're not digesting your food or your gut bacteria is actually changing, which is what the research shows, then there is going to be more weight. Blood sugar goes up, insulin goes up, and that's the reason. So everyone's like scurrying around, like, how do I lose weight? How do I lose weight? Like, I got to like eat less and work out more and, and do all these other things. And you've got like all this information everywhere. And there's a sense of panic, right? I'm gaining weight. I'm gaining weight. But it's almost like, okay, can we calm down for a minute? We're having a shift. We have to honor and acknowledge the shift. The first place to start, instead of panicking, it's like, you know, I used to work the ER. Where do you start in an emergency? You start, like, assess the airway first, right? First place to start is assess the gut. What's happening with your digestive health? It doesn't have to be a story about weight gain if you can really dial into your gut health and understand what's going on there. And then from there, move outward and understand the factors that are influencing that. Maybe you're not eating a diet that is really serving you best. That's something to look at. Maybe you need to move in a different way. So many of us, you know, probably not you because you're an athlete, but like I know for me- no cardio to death? Well, no, it's my job is sedentary. I oh, yeah. run my mouth all day long, yeah. right? I'm looking at the computer. I'm doing all of that, that stuff. So getting movement throughout the day has to be deliberate. It can't be like, oh, I don't have time for this today. It mm -hmm. has to be something that I'm very conscious of, you know, but for you it's cardio, right? And so well, there's- Well, no, I, I always want women, especially as they get older, get, grab some weights. Absolutely. The other thing I see, and I, if you're listening to this, if you don't want to get your hair messed up or your makeup- because that's why you're not exercising. Mm, that's a big that's a question. Too, and it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Listen, I know all the tricks. I've heard it all. <laughs> and I'm just like, you can throw your hair in a ponytail yeah. and, you know, put mascara on after you do your workout, totally. even if it's at one o'clock. Like, yeah. I think all these little weird things that we are like, oh, that's such a hassle. Yeah. So talking about the gut, because it is so complicated right. and, you know, trillions of micro, you know, microorganisms, how does somebody say, I really, uh, let's start there. Is it a test? Is it, is it, is it, is it sort of feeling it out like eating more vegetables or eating more meat and sort of seeing how you feel and how you sleep or how do you, how do you encourage your patients to 
start there? What does that look like? Well, I think at first just, again, self-assessment, right? Like, are you going to the bathroom every day? Is it easy to go to the bathroom every day? Are you bloating? You know, are you having, you know, any reflux or any of these other more obvious gut type symptoms? And if the answer to that is yes, then before, let's say you don't have access, let's assume you don't have access to testing and to doctors and all this other stuff. Even if you don't have access, then you can at a minimum, you know, increase your fiber, increase your water, add in a probiotic because that's going to help to start rebalancing the entire environment down there. And even adding something in like a digestive enzyme. Those are like probably four steps that you could do before you even got to the doctor. But let's say, okay, that's not working and we're not really moving in any direction. And remember any of these changes, they're not medications, right? They're not pharmaceuticals. So you're not going to see a result tomorrow, but you will see a result. You have to give things about three week stretches. That's kind of how I think. In about 21 days or so, something should should have shifted. And if the answer to that is no, then it's time to maybe think about testing. And yes, there's all kinds of testing available. Mm -hmm. There is testing of your hormones. Like we talked about, you can look at your microbiome, you can look and see what your actual stool is doing. And if, if you're digesting fats and other things, well, so you can take that deeper dive, but I'm thinking about everybody out there who's tired and over-informed and not really sure where to start, I would mm. tell them to start there, you know, like at least start with some of these very basic, very element, very sort of elementary level stuff. And then from there, what I see a lot of is just uh, this idea of inflammation, which is not new, but it increases as women go through hormone shifts. So many women will describe like, and I almost feel like after our little holiday in Mexico, I might have it a little <laughs> bit too, but they describe almost like this, like puffiness, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like there's this water on them or like this like fat suit or something that they're wearing. That's inflammation. They're not fat they're inflamed. And so when there's inflammation, then you have to dial into what are the things in my diet that are triggering this inflammatory response? Now I can tell you what I did. I'm not supposed to eat gluten. Tortilla. How are your chips? Going? Tortilla yes, chips, get those chips in Mexico and you know, all the other <laughs> things that alcohol? happen there more than usual, but anyhow, so all the things that normally happen in Mexico happened in Mexico, right? So I don't go to Vegas, but it happens to me in Mexico, but anyhow, so I mean, I think that that's inflammation, right? Mm -hmm. So then you start dialing into like time to remove corn, time to remove dairy, time to remove sugar and alcohol. So you go on that journey, you know, but you don't do that journey before you do the journey of fixing your gut, right? So gut first, then the food. Just doing those couple of things, if we're going to talk about weight, has been dramatic in practice for me personally, for, you know, for everyone, because that in itself solves the issue of blood sugar instability, which is driving the weight, right? When the hormones shift, there's blood sugar instability, and that ultimately drives weight. And so you're solving that, and you haven't even yet gotten to a test or a visit or any of these things, right? And so at any point in this journey, test, go see a doctor, do these things. But but there's no reason, like even on my social media, I'll see that this is so expensive. This whole process is so expensive. And I'm like, actually, it's not. If you start here, you're probably going to see results even before you spend a dollar, you know? And so I think that's what we really need to help people understand is that this 
as complicated and as many big words that we can all use as experts and things like that, the starting points are actually relatively simple and they open the door to the conversation that you're supposed to have with your body. And then from there you decide, you know, where you want to spend and what needs to happen next. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing to remind people, uh, cause I do pretty good on the food. I, I do like popcorn and I can feel it instantly. I even do it, you know, I make it with the right oil. I don't do it, you know, I don't get it at the yeah. movie theater. I can feel it instantly. Me Literally, too. I can yep. feel it uh, right away. Is, well, a couple of things. One for me is we never really give stress an, its due credit. Like I can eat perfect and be training if I'm not sleeping right or I am having a lot of sh- emotional stress, right. I can... It, it crushes me the same as a piece of pie, like no problem. And I just want to remind people, the other part of this is is sort of that other personal inventory. Like how are my relationships and how totally. do I need to have a real honest conversation with an employee or whatever it is? Because I think we do that too. Sometimes as women, we might talk to our girlfriends, but I also think sometimes we do avoid getting in there and pulling some deep weeds and going, hey, this isn't working for me or I need to change this or I'm feeling this. And so I just want to remind people that it doesn't matter if we have this stress, it is going to show up in our, in our health and in our weight and around our waist and not to ignore that. Uh, I, I just, I think it's so important. Um, and, and obviously sleep is a, is a killer, but sometimes I feel like women or men, people who are trying to approach nutritionally a new way it's almost like they're half telling themselves the truth. Mm-hmm. Like they'll eat something and then they'll be like, but that bagel's okay. It's right. like, mm-hmm. no, listen, if you're going to do it, let's do it. Yeah. Let's see what it's really like. Let's get right. rid of this stuff out right. of our lives. Let's take the 21 days and let's really pay attention because the other thing is it's like hidden in everything and, and it, everywhere. It's so frustrating. So make your dressings at home because that's going to kill you. you. All the breads, if we lived in France, it'd be great. We don't. If you're here, it's like really just give it a go for 21 days. Well, it's committing to yourself for 21 days, but the stress piece is huge. I don't, I don't want to, you know, not address that to a certain extent because we have so many stories on that. Even again, like, you know, the monitors, I don't know if you've ever worn a glucometer or any of those things Mm -hmm. before. And it's been fascinating the information that you'll learn from there because there'll be people like me who are perfect at home, right? You're doing everything right. You're eating right, not drinking, doing all this other stuff. But the numbers are higher in a place like Mexico, mm. uh, higher at home, excuse me, than yeah. they are when the I go on vacation because maybe I don't sleep as well yeah. or I'm super stressed Working. or over-processed, you know, all these other things. So stress really is a huge player in all of this. Yeah. And when it comes to committing to a program, I think you've got to take that one into consideration, right? If you're in a very stressful, and this is a lot of what we do in the exam room in our practices is that like, okay, where are you? Are you on like five deadlines and three work trips? Well, doing a really deeply intensive 30-day program might not be the right idea right now. So let's start over here. Mm -hmm. But if you've cleared some headspace and some emotional space to be committed to yourself, which is ultimately what you're struggling with, then now's the time to do that deep dive Mm -hmm. and to look at everything that you're doing. And I think that I think the fundamental issue, and I'm again I'm learning too as we go along, but I think the fundamental issue as we move along is understanding for all of us, you know, is that we're caretakers and we're nurturers. So we don't like having those hard conversations. We don't like to tell an employee that 
X, Y, and Z needs to happen or a partner or a child because ultimately we want to nurture them, right? We want to grow them. We want to nurture them. So those hard conversations are a little bit against our nature again. It's a skill. So just like taking care of yourself is a skill that you have to learn because you may not have been taught that. I think the ability to advocate for yourself spills into this whole stress piece, you know? So that idea of you being stressed I would throw it back on you. I throw it back on me. This is my fault. Like, no one did this to me. I'm not a victim. You know, I signed up for all of this, you know? So this is right back on me. So I think that we just have to, again, be very honest and very accepting of ourselves. We're nurturers. We're caretakers. We have to honor that part of us. And then within that framework, decide what our bandwidth is so that that we don't walk around saying we can't take care of ourselves or we're victims or Mm -hmm. life is stressful or the world handed us whatever. I I don't really think that serves us well. I think it's it's really important what you just said about it being a skill. And it it slides me over to you talk about we go through these sort of five hormonal phases in our life and that and and we're, we'll get to five but it's commander and I think that's when you actually freaking learn how to do it mm, exactly and you also stop trying to please everybody right right like I think right. there comes a point where you go oh yeah I've done that that doesn't work right and um and and then you start to learn that it's okay to like make yourself happy totally like if for example if it's your practice and people are there you go cool so this is how i'm designing the rules and how we do it at my practice mm-hmm. like if you want to do it that way you can go make your own practice right and i i do think it takes time to be comfortable with people even maybe uh not agreeing not liking us no, totally um, thinking we're wrong god forbid right totally. like i don't need to smell like a rose anymore yeah. like i'm good and one of my favorite lines from my friend byron katie is what you think of me is none of my business right This podcast is brought to you by Timeline Nutrition. I have been a customer for over three years, and I really got excited about this brand because I was learning about something called Urolithin A, and now I'm really excited to be able to share it with you. So up until now, there really hasn't been that many supplements on the market to support mitophagy, which is the flushing out of old damaged mitochondria. We all know the importance of having strong mitochondria, and so... I started learning about urolithin A from this company, and then I got really intrigued. And it's impossible to eat that many pomegranates and drink that much juice. And now they have put it together in a scientifically proven therapeutic dose. And so this is where a product called Mitopure comes in, and it's from Timeline Nutrition. And they've created three ways to get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of urolithin A in their product, Mitopure. So they have a delicious vanilla protein powder that combines muscle building protein and the cellular energy of MitoPure. So this all varies and based on your lifestyle, maybe you'll use all three, maybe one works more for you. There's a berry powder that easily mixes into smoothies, or you can just pop it in some water. And finally, the soft gels for travel. And when I say soft gels, it's just a supplement. So personally, I think the starter pack, it's the way to go. It lets you try all three forms, see which one kind of lands for you. And so this is the way to check out all the three ways that you can get MitoPure. And it is the first product to offer a precise dosage of this urolithin A to upgrade mitochondria function and increase cellular energy and improve muscle strength and endurance. So Timeline is offering 10% off your first order of MitoPure. All you have to do is go to 
timelinenutrition.com slash Gabby and use the code Gabby to get 10% off your order. That's timelinenutrition.com slash Gabby, T-I-M-E-L-I-N-E-N-U-T-R-I-T-I-O-N.com slash Gabby. Like I said, I would start with the starter pack with all three formulas, and then you can figure out, hey, this one works for me. The other thing that's important about this, this actually took 10 years of research to bring this product to you and to market. So this is not, this is something that is really well thought out and has taken a long time to develop. This podcast is brought to you by Lumi. I first learned about Lumi, of course, from one of my daughters. Packages show up at my house. I don't think anyone goes to the store anymore. Lo and behold, here is the Lumi deodorant. And I thought, okay, what's the big deal? Well, first of all, Lumi is a game-changing whole body deodorant designed by an OBGYN to work not only on your pits, but even your feet, you know, some of your privates, wherever you go. And because it is baking soda-free and paraben-free, it is safe to use below the belt. So no matter where you use it, Lumi is clinically proven to block odor all day long, all thanks to its one-of-a-kind pH-optimized formula. By the way, they've gotten 275,000 five-star reviews to show for it. So I started looking into the brand. I actually got the body wash and they have a great offer for you today. Maybe you're curious. So as a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack. So it's perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, and two free products of your choice. So depending on your lifestyle, like mini body wash, deodorant wipes, that's a good one. You can just throw in your gym bag and all free shipping. All you have to do is use the code Gabby at lumideodorant.com. And that equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use the code Gabby, lumideodorant.com, L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. And don't forget to use the code Gabby, G-A-B-B-Y. This podcast is brought to you by HVMN and specifically their product Ketone IQ. Now I learned about HVMN and I used to take HVMN ketones When they first came out, my friend Elijah gave it to me because he was so all about ketones. And he's like, listen, this gives you incredible brain fuel. It's a clean energy boost and it has no sugar or caffeine. So I was all in. But I'll tell you what, that taste, it was tricky. And they've reformulated and now they have this incredible product, Ketone IQ. It comes in a tiny single serve bottle. You can throw it in your gym bag. You can throw it in your purse. You can have one in your car. And I personally use it in different ways. So for example, if I have a lot of work to do meetings or if I'm doing a podcast and I'm trying to just be as alert and on as I can, I will do a shot of the bottle. Um, My friend Lat was the one who was originally sending uh, Lat Mansour. He works with the company and I sort of got reintroduced and fell in love with them all over again. And And then the other way I'll use it is let's say I'm going to train a little bit later, but I don't want to impact my sleep. Well, because it is not a stimulant, you can get that nice, calm little boost for your brain and body without feeling jittery, but it won't hurt your sleep. So I still feel calm and you got that kind of flow state of energy. So if you're curious about this product, you can find Ketone IQ in your local Sprouts nationwide. So go ahead and look for that little bottle. And you can also, if you want to save 30% off your first subscription, the order of Ketone IQ, all you have to do is go to hvmn.com slash Gabby. So for Ketone IQ, go to hv is in very, m is in Mary, n is in nancy.com slash Gabby to save 30% off your first subscription. This podcast is brought to you by Vionic Shoes. 
You probably have heard me talking about Vionic now for a couple months. I got my first pair a few months back and I got the Georgie Mule. Very comfortable, easy to use. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to wear shoes that are not comfortable. I just no matter how cute it is. And I also, it's hard for me because I have a really big foot. And this company began by revolutionizing medical orthotics, but today they continue to use the science to engineer shoes that leave you feeling energized and really confident all day. However, so cute. It's a little colder right now. They've got tons of of boots. I've got some ballet flats from them. I also have like this slide on sneaker that I wear a lot to the airports and travel because they're stylish. I can dress them up and dress them down, but they're really, really comfortable, but they use rich leathers and suede. So if you've got that work wear favorites, they have you totally covered. And I started giving them actually to one of my daughters because she travels a lot and it was just something really easy to use. Looks great. Wears incredible. And they have an offer today where they will give you a 30 day guarantee, wear them, love them or return for a full refund within 30 days. And that's just the start. Um, and I think this is important. Like, Hey, is this style working with the clothes I have and with my lifestyle so that you have nothing to lose by giving it a try. And if you use the code Gabby at checkout, they will give you 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com. Again, V-I-O-N-I-C-S-H-O-E-S.com. And when you use the code Gabby at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order. Um, And when you log into your account for one-time use only, I mentioned that I have big feet. I do have a size 12. A lot of styles come in 12. Most styles come in 11. So if you have a larger foot too, um, you, you don't get to just look. You can actually find stuff that you can buy and wear at bionicshoes.com. And don't forget to use the code Gabby. This podcast is brought to you by Babbel. I don't know about you, but every time I travel, I kick myself that I haven't spent more time learning whatever language it is in the place that I'm visiting. It's like, you want to connect with the people in a real way. Well, immersion, you know, that's the best way, but most of us can't move somewhere and, and, you know, live there and learn the language, even though that's number one, but number two is with Babbel. And the reason that is, is first of all, they have, it's really quick. They've got 10 minute lessons, and but they're handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. But what I love about it is it's designed by real people for real conversations. It's like, listen, we all want to know, like talk about food and directions and things like that. And Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations and delivered with conversation-based teaching. So you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. And that's the other thing I love is just combining that because you think, okay, maybe using a trip that you have planned or getting together with family somewhere, using that as your motivation to get going. And you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that maybe don't really even help you, you know, speak a new language. In fact, studies show, there was one study, they did studies at Yale, Michigan State, that Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours, that's nothing, is equivalent to a full semester at college. They've got over 16 million subscribers sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. So here's the incredible offer for a special limited-time deal for our listeners right now, you can get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash Gabby. So to get 50% off, 
at babbel.com slash Gabby. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Gabby. Some rules and restrictions may apply. So you have these different phases, um, age 13 through 19, and and you have keywords. Fun names, right. You have keywords. And in this phase, it's like confusion. Right. So that's the rock star phase. Yeah. Right. That's what I call it. Like you just think you that, <laughs> right. You just think that you're invincible, right? It's like, I can eat whatever, do whatever, be whatever. There's no consequence to anything, right? Classic rock star phase. So you think you're, you know, you're just kind of all over the place. And I think that's, that's true of the hormone patterns too. They're also all over the place, like fluctuating estrogen and progesterone levels or girls have irregular periods. Their moods often match that their ability to learn often matches that too. And they um, are nowadays in today's world, they're having a lot of different and new diagnoses that are tied to these irregular patterns of their cycle, right? So we go from the rock stars, which is that 13-ish to 19, to the next phase, you know, and I'll jump right into that next one, which is women in their 20s. And I call them the hustlers because they're just, you know, they're just trying to do it all, right? Like busting the candle at both ends and same thing. They kind of think they're invincible, you know? So they, again, are staying up late, waking up early, you know, grabbing what grabbing and going. It's a lot about proving themselves either from a relationship standpoint or a career standpoint. But this is where you start to build on, you know, some of the imbalances that might've been there as a teenager. So this is where you first start to see things like progesterone levels dropping, androgen levels which cause the acne and the hair loss and some of these things starting to shift. And, you know, again, women at that age, I was one of them. This is actually where my, this is, and I'm super passionate about these younger women because I think I see myself in them. And like, I almost feel the sense of desperation. Like I want you to have this information so you don't have to go through what I went through, you know? And I was, my journey probably started, probably started younger when I didn't realize it, but where I became conscious of it was 24, 25, right? Medical school, residency, family stuff, you know, all that other stuff. And so that's really an invitation for those women to be like, I've got a lot going on. It's expected at this age and stage of life. It's actually a good thing, but how do I take care of myself through it? What are the fundamentals, right? And so for me, I'm sure you read, you know, like Mm -hmm. Diet Coke and popcorn was supposed to be healthy, you know, back in our lovely 80s timeframe and 90s timeframe of being fat free, you know, and low calorie, (laughs) but actually it was, you know, crashing my hormones. So we moved from that to then the next phase, which I'm calling the superstars. And now we're maturing, right? We're sort of trying to settle, maybe trying to put down some roots, whether it's in a job or a career or whether it's in a family or trying to create a family of our own. But you've inherited now probably two decades worth of imbalanced hormone patterns. So what's happening to these women? This is where we really see these diagnoses start to come forward. We see PCOS in its fullest expression. We see endometriosis. We see a lot of issues with fertility and infertility, having trouble getting pregnant which again sends women, you know, on this whole tailspin of like trying to do a million different things and a million different procedures. And we see not just the exaggeration of the low progesterone, we now really truly see thyroid disorders starting to present themselves. So this is sort of the stage where I'll find a lot of Hashimoto's or different forms of hypothyroidism for sure. So again, we've got this mix and then the androgen thing is usually worsening too. And so women will go through this and a lot of times that means that 
that they will do birth control or IVF or, you know, they go on an anti-anxiety medication or an antidepressant and they're doing all this stuff and no one's connecting it for them Mm -hmm. and saying it's rooted in this like underneath chemistry and you wouldn't need this medication list or this procedure list if you did these things, you know? So before we leave her, because I feel like that group is, I don't want to say it's a sensitive time, but but these are when things are really showing up. Like you said, PCOS and a lot of autoimmune and other things are are showing up. And then the desire maybe if they choose to have a child and having a challenge with that, I think that this can be incredibly difficult for on people like in every way. And what is it if someone, maybe they just didn't know. And they were on a birth control forever and they ate whatever and they didn't exercise and they haven't been sleeping. And now they're here and they're sort of saying, hey, before they go and launch into all these medications or procedures, Mm -hmm. what are, where do we start them? Where do we say, hey, wait a second. Right. Let's start here first. First thing I want to remind women of that age, if they're listening, is that the body, once you give it what it needs is very compliant. It actually behaves. And so everything's reversible. I don't want people listening to this. I was just listening to myself. I don't want people listening to them, to this and being like, oh my God, like I have wrecked my body. It's all over, right? The body will change and reverse. But if you're in that situation, I think, again, I would hope, you know, not to keep plugging the book, but I would hope you would use a book like The Hormone Shift to understand where your hormones are, to understand where your gut health is and get these numbers checked. And just even looking at things like key nutrient levels, like where are you? And I think in today's environment, especially for couples trying to have children and start families and things like that, it's more important now than ever before. You know, the the role of toxicity in our environment, you know, you almost want to go into having a child doing a lot of preconception work, which is a very Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine concept. You wouldn't just go have a baby. There was this whole like procedure and process of prepping the body before you even thought about fertility and conception. So you want to do that work. Both the male, honestly, and the female should be doing that work to understand where their health is Mm -hmm. before they take that next step into parenthood. And I think that's really important. But I think looking at your hormone levels, understanding what's happening, getting things like a pelvic ultrasound to understand what the uterine lining is doing and how thick it may be. Do you have ovarian cysts? Do you have fibroids? Like, you know, what's happening down there, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this mystery area until we decide to have a baby. And then all of a sudden it gets all this attention, you know? So, you know, I think just really, again, taking that time and energy, slowing down for just a second to understand. And it was interesting when we were talking about the angry middle-aged women, you know, we don't also talk about sort of the very frantic, pregnant, young woman, post-pregnancy, new family, trying to get pregnant, what that does for Mm -hmm. a relationship, right? So you've got a lot of husbands, you know, or partners not wanting to go home because they're dealing with this very angry, you know, mid-30s woman or early 30s woman who's just like with the burden of child rearing is just so angry about that, you know, but that gets more empathy for whatever reason than maybe the angry middle-aged woman does. So, but I think, again, the point I'm trying to make is that this ownership of your chemistry Mm. is important through every stage. It's been there, right? The same fluctuation in your hormone is showing up in your 20s and 30s as is as it's showing up in your 40s and 50s for sure. So I think for those younger women to answer your question and not get too off in the weeds, I think it's like start by understanding your body chemistry 
check your hormones, check your nutrients, understand if you have things like inflammation, you know, understand your gut health. And you don't have to have a scientific, you know, encyclopedia on this stuff, but you should understand the main ideas of what's happening with you. And then from there, you can put forth the plan that's going to work to help you clean all that stuff up. Yeah. And I, I always want to encourage people. I mean, part of the things for me on the show is, and I do think there is a place for medicine. And I actually think in the U.S. we do a great job on catastrophic yes. care. Yes. Like emergency care. Uh, I have Check. a fake knee. Yeah. Amazing. I don't think we do a great job on, on some of this other stuff. And <clears throat> just to get people to slow down before it's like, oh, I'll take that medicine. Right. It's like, whoa. Hang on a sec. Because if your gut's already screwed up and right. now you're taking this new medication that's kicking it and perforating it's the lining even more, it's like sometimes I almost feel like it puts them in this frantic so it's it's not about saying no, never, but just like you're saying, hey, find out first what's going on. Right. Just take a second. And don't, by the way, if it doesn't land right from your doctor, don't just take their word for it. I also believe we get a sense of like, totally. oh, that feels good what she's saying yep. or that doctor's saying. It's like, or mm, I don't know if that's what's happening to me. And, and just to encourage people, because we pay so much attention to so many things in our lives. And yet we we ha we don't tune in to mm -hmm. that to that to the inside of us going yes that feels good um, and like you said if you're frantic and you go hey I'm 37 I'm 38 I got to do this kid thing right, right. now I'm just never going to happen right. it's like okay and just hold just for a second you know and just to remind everyone too like okay let's say you're 37 or 38 but if you haven't done the deep dive into this stuff then even your fancy procedures your IVF yeah. and IUI and all the other million things that are out there those also don't go well, you know? Yeah. So any work you do almost makes anything we have in modern medicine work so much better. And you need less with less side effects, less damage, you know, all of that stuff. So it's really like blending, again, you know, that's mm -hmm. my passion is reimagining all of this stuff, but blending together the best of the two. And then the art, the practice of it is what's going to be right for you in a given moment at your journey. And how do we make those decisions? Yeah. I've seen some, a lot of friends, so I have, there's a brothers here in Santa Monica that, you know, they'll do acupuncture and teas and they, women have tried everything else yeah. and then they're desperate. So then they're open to that, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drink CBT yeah. Um, and lo and behold. They're fine. They're yeah. pregnant. So, and, and also it's probably taking some of the urgency away from it. So the next phase, um, is the Superwoman, am I right? Superwoman is oh, yeah. so superwoman X sort of equate to all right, you've established your foundation, you have grown whatever, whether it's a career or a family or whatever, you know, your passion hopefully project is. And now you're usually, I call this the most stressed sort of decade because now you have a lot of responsibility. You've got a lot on your plate. You probably have a lot of responsibility at work. Maybe mm -hmm. your business is now thriving and you have a lot of responsibility there, or you're in a big role at work. You have a growing family that has growing needs. Typically you have aging parents and usually remember we're caretakers. So it usually falls. It doesn't matter whose parents there are. And it usually falls back on the female in the family. Hey, I, so anyhow, looks, do you know anything um, about that? No, not at all. Not, <laughs> nothing at all. But, um, but anyhow, so we've got all of those sort of collective responsibilities and then our hormones are shifting. So this is where truly we'll see the first signs of a drop and estrogen, right? We'll see the early rise of a blood sugar or insulin levels. We'll start to see that belly fat 
you know, start to show up. And it's also where sort of paired with that, there's everything else, the sleep disturbances, the changes in being able to focus and concentrate. And so again, women will hit those roadblocks at different ages throughout that sort of superwoman phase, but the experience is pretty universal. And so this is where, again, we want to remind women that, you know, if you haven't done it in the last couple of phases, it is critical to do it here because it's really going to set the stage for what the commander phase, when you truly go into menopause, is going to look like. Is that going to be an easy transition? Is that going to be a harder one? But the other thing super interesting about the superwoman phase, I feel like it's a What's a good word to use? It's almost like a detox phase. That's a terrible word to say, but it's almost like where things will fall apart if you've been band-aiding and trying to pretend like they're okay, whether that's your health, whether that's a job, whether that's relationships, you literally see this explosion take place, (laughs) you know, in different women through Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, this is where I sit with women who are, you know, getting divorced, not expecting to be, getting married, not expecting to be, you know, quitting a job, starting a job, changing career, like all of it. And so in some ways, it almost takes you back. They say perimenopause is the second puberty. In some way, it kind (laughs) of takes you back to the rock star phase where there's, you're just kind of like, what the hell is going on? You know? And so I think, again, if you can be rooted in how to take care of yourself, you know, and what your numbers are, and do you need a little, you may actually in this phase need hormone support. Now in the other phases, you may not have needed it. I did need some progesterone in my twenties because I was so far gone, Yeah. but you know, usually in the other sort of phases, diet, gut work, liver work, you know, get you through mindfulness it. can get you through it. When you hit sort of the superwoman phase going into the commander phase, then sometimes you need some hormone support and there's nothing wrong with that. Many women see it as a failure. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The goal is to be in your best mind, your best spirit, you know, your best emotional state, getting good, healthy sleep, all of those different things. Right. Because estrogen is the feel-good hormone, right? And if that bugger drops, all of a sudden... You know, it's it, we we have a little different perspective totally. on things. Totally, we get darker. Yeah, I heard. A, I heard. Yeah, <laughs> we get angrier. I heard a great uh, Elisa Vitti. Wrote, yeah, so, I love her. Yeah, yeah she she said, she's amazing. She said yeah. one time, she goes, "Well, you know, on different parts of your cycle, you know, when the estrogen drop or the progesterone drops, or yeah, it was yeah. progesterone." She goes, "Just keep notes. Yeah, don't totally. don't do anything crazy. But if it shows up three months in a row, she's like, that's how you actually feel." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh." So it's like if you're going to break up or fire somebody, totally. she's like, just calm wait, down. Wait, But if it shows up three months in a row, she goes, that's actually how that's you feel. That's real. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. It's it so in that, let's, let's, uh, I also, you also talk about sex drive and, yes. um, you know, skin and all yeah. of these things at this time. So regarding hormones, I think for a lot of people, they don't know what to do. And right. okay, there's creams, there's bioidentical. What is your sort of a general principle when you approach uh, people considering hormone replacement yeah. therapy? Yeah. So the general kind of guiding principle for you know all of us is low and slow, like the smaller the dose, the better. And we're not trying to do anything heroic here. So we're not going to put, you know, not to blast pellets, but we're not going to be doing pellets or heavy handed doses of hormones or things like that. We start pretty low to see what sort of, especially in the superwoman phase, to see sort of what response we're going to get. Because same thing, if you've got those foundational building blocks of all the other stuff, you don't need a lot of hormone. You usually need a very small amount. The first 
form that we like staying with that philosophy is usually the transdermal creams because we can control them, right? We can control how much is in a cream. We can titrate them. We can increase them, decrease them. We can do all those things with it. But then truly there's some people that don't respond to that. They don't change the levels. Patients don't feel better, you know? So again, that's where you really have to listen to the person sitting in front of you as a physician and be like, okay, it's time to move on. If we're Mm going to move on, then typically we like estrogen in some other form, whether that's a vaginal trochee, it's a patch. You could do sublingual estrogen, but in a bioidentical form, not straight estradiol. And then progesterone, sometimes I'll switch from a cream to a pill if I'm not getting the results that I want. And if that's still not working, then we'll go to stronger dosing, right? Like higher dose patches, higher dosed pills and make those decisions. But through that arc of decision-making, whether it's the baby doses or whether it's the stronger doses, you have to look at how the hormones are being metabolized, right? How are they being broken down? Is your body using them effectively? So in the book, we talk about some of those metabolites, right? We talk about things like estrone, 17-hydroxy, pregnenolone, you know, pregnenolone itself. They give you information of the metabolic pathway of the hormones, which, again, not to make this sound heavy, but is very genetically driven. You know, there are people that don't have the genetics to break hormones down effectively. And so if you start with a heavy handed dose of hormones on those people, it goes the wrong way. You store them, you hold on to them, then you activate genetics for other stuff that you don't want to. So I think it's really important to kind of go slow and slow and be patient, right? Mm -hmm. People want to get better fast. So patience is always a little bit of a challenge, but think about things when you're doing hormone replacement therapy, regardless of the form, you, you know, like I said, 21 days for diet and nutrition and all that other stuff. I think for hormones, you have to give it 90 days, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have about a 90 day cycle of understanding understanding what this regimen has done for you. Has it been enough? And usually by the third month, you'll start to really notice a difference, you know? So that culturally is hard because people are like, I need to feel better right now. I need to see a change right now. But that often doesn't serve us well, you know? So that's sort of where I and with the different hormones. I prefer bioidentical, right? Which is going, and let's clarify what that is. That's hormones that mimic and look like the hormones that we already have. So the body is able to metabolize them a little bit better. The advantage of some of these creams, and there's a lot of conversation back and forth everywhere about why compounded, why not prescription, why, you know, all that other stuff. The advantage of the compounded one is that the percentage of estradiol, which is the most active form of estrogen, is actually lower, which is good. Most of the compounded forms of estrogen have more estriol in it. Estriol is a very protective estrogen, actually has been used in Europe and been shown to protect against things like breast cancer and estrogen-based cancers. So what we're trying to do for those of us that use compounded in the form of bias or any of these other things that are out there is we're trying to manage the amount of active estradiol that you're getting to minimize the body's burden of detoxing that hormone, Mm. right? And providing you with more estriol, which we have, to really help you get the best clinical result. So that's why we like to start there, but it might not work for everyone, right? We've got, now if we go into that commander phase where Mm -hmm. now I might be dealing with somebody with full out osteoporosis, or I might be dealing with someone with complete hormone depletion to the point that it is disrupting their lives, right? Then we need to move on, right? We don't need to be parked in like, oh, I want to do low hormone. You know, we need to move on. And moving on is now, okay, we're going to do, you know, one of the patches, which are primarily estradiol, right? 
And we're going to make sure that your body's using that estradiol effectively and support that detox pathway to keep you out of trouble for the long haul. So that's sort of mm-hmm. the mentality around it. So I get super not frustrated, I don't know, maybe frustrated with all this noise. I just feel like it's so much noise. Like, this is good. This is bad. This is the, you know, it's just like, you know. And, and how do you know? And it's you, like, how do you get, you right. got to get in there. You a have to bit. get in there. Yeah. You have to kind of rhythmically and systematically start. And you have to see how your body responds to it. So I want us to all get out of like good versus bad mentality and more like, okay, here are all the options. We're going to start here. Mm. It's not a guarantee that it's going to work for you, and that's okay. It's going to be a little bit of trial and error because your body is going to respond differently than the person sitting next to you, and that's just the reality of who we each are as unique individuals. Yeah. I, I, it's so funny how we do buck reality. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, that's one thing I do appreciate about the East Coast. It is what it is. It's like people, they want something definitive. They right. want it in 24 hours. When has any of that ever happened? Right. What, what's, what, you know, unless it's usually something not good, that's the only thing that usually happens very quickly. Yeah, I side effects. It, You'll sh- it'll show up really yeah, fast. I heard, yeah. I heard a great expression why, like why we're so flipped out about, uh, like when we look at social media and we'll have like a 1000 good comments and somebody makes one comment, why we respond so quickly. And it's because to do anything positive, anything at all, build anything, a career or relationship, it takes a series of so many actions, small actions, it takes forever, yeah. but it takes one instance Horrific to thing. take something yeah. down. Yeah. And so we're always responding to that, but somehow we're still looking for like, no, I want it good now. It's yeah. like, yeah, I, I still yet have, I mean, maybe an ice cream, I yeah. don't know, but I, I haven't really <laughs> seen anything that's like, wow, this is good right now. Right. It usually takes a second. Yeah. And good, good is slow. And yeah. And just reminding people to get that plan, but also do your side. Because you're doing all these these things, but you're probably asking them to move around right. and exercise a little right. and tighten up their diet right. and maybe take a breathing yoga right. class, chill out a little. Totally. So I think it's it's giving them those other things to do and saying, oh, but you're going to participate right? so you can benefit. Well, HRT should be last, right? When right. you run through the checklist of what we are saying, be an advocate and be healthy and all these other things we're talking about, HRT is on the list. Yeah. But it's last. It's it's kind of towards the bottom, right? Because all these other things, it's sequential. All these other things are going to influence the amount of HRT you actually need and the form you need. They're all interrelated. Yeah. So it's on the list. It's in the toolbox, right? But it's not what we're going to pull out right away. Unless, of course, you're in a really bad spot and I'm like, okay, we got to do something now and we'll worry about all this stuff in a minute. Yeah. And know? that's and that's important to be able right. to <clears throat> be that flexible. So, so you have the commander... Uh, and you do talk about depression as kind of yes. the, the key yeah. word there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, weight and, and other things. So, you know, when people are thinking about this, you do talk about if we have too much of, of a certain hormone or too mm-hmm. little of a certain hormone, there are some pretty clear signs. We talked about the right. weight. Right. Is there anything specific that feels important that maybe wouldn't be as obvious, like a DHEA or, or something where if it's like, <laughs> hey, you have too much or too little this could be showing up. Definitely. And I think, um, and we work through these with patients. So breast tenderness, right? If you suddenly grow a cup size 
with a hormone replacement therapy or your breast hurt, you probably have too much either estrogen or progesterone in your system. So that's a big one to pay attention to. I think that uh, things like new onset acne or hair loss, those are huge. For a lot of women with testosterone replacement, they'll convert to those androgens that we talked about and they'll start to see some of those symptoms again. So I think that's a sign that there's too much on board or even the estrogen that you're being given is converting over. So I'd pay attention to that as well. If you have a pickup in excuse me, like anxiety or, you know, feeling like you're edgy or you're starting to get palpitations, maybe something's off if you're doing thyroid replacement or even estrogen and progesterone replacement. So I think, again, if you have that starting sort of handbook on the symptoms to check, which are energy, mood, weight, sleep, um, cognitive energy, a lot of those type of things, that can help you with, wait, I started that hormone, why is this off, right? Mm. So that can help you sort of connect the dots on that stuff. But but those are some of the biggest ones. I think one other one I'd probably add to it is you're foggy. If you've got too much progesterone on board, it can almost mimic that pregnancy feeling where you kind of just feel like you're sort of in a little bit of a fog and you can't see straight or can't focus. So that's a sign that the progesterone might be too much for you. And I want, I mean, you did so many things in this book to kind of, it's all, it's, it felt like a, a per, you could really get the information for yourself. Insulin. I, I, you know, one thing I've said after doing this show for all these years is, is it has been driven into me, the importance, not only of our gut, but of being insulin sensitive. Yes. It has, I mean, and chronic inflammation, I mean, there's five things, but those are definitely the three. Um, can you just explain to people and you do this in the book about how insulin works and where it comes from. Cause I think we hear about it for diabetes, right? but I don't actually think we're connected to what's happening. Well, I think insulin is the hormone. It's basically secreted by the pancreas, right? But it's the hormone that is responsible for what your blood sugar levels are doing. And it's reacting to your blood sugar levels. So sort of a bi-directional pathway is probably the best way to think about it. And I think we only think about insulin in relationship to the extremes, right? Where, you know, you're a type two diabetic, so you have a high blood sugar, you have overproduction of insulin, everyone has to push all that stuff down with the medications and all that other business. But we don't think about it in the sort of gray zone where you're not diabetic, you know, but you are seeing changes in weight and your blood sugar is having either a lot of, you know, reactivity, meaning you go from high to low, high to low, and stress will do that, alcohol will do that, there are many different things that will do that, your hormones will do that, or your new baseline standing blood sugar level is elevated from where it was maybe 10 years ago. So when you get a glucometer, like these little wearables that are out there now, or you do testing in the doctor's office, you'll get a normal, right? Because your levels are usually not over a hundred, except if you eat or do things like that. And what's happening and what we need to understand, that is still too high for modern day society because at 100 or over 100, we're having an overproduction of insulin, mm -hmm. which in turn is then making us gain belly fat and belly weight. So we've got to pay attention to that for sure. So we want to try to keep our blood sugar somewhere between 80 and 90 is usually what I tell folks. You know, like when you're spiking much above that, that's still problematic. And the goal with exercise or sleep or any of these things is to push it down into that range. So I think understanding that we're too late 
in acting on blood sugar and insulin changes and that insulin-based weight gain is that belly fat, that arm fat, that back fat, that really is that new fat that you might not have dealt with, you know, through your earlier years. And I think, again, as somebody who sees, you know, the, the spectrum from zero, you know, to our seniors, I think it's also super concerning that we're seeing this blood sugar insulin thing in our, in our youth mm-hmm. more so than ever before. We're seeing more kids, if you'll look, you know, that are going into early puberty because of high blood sugar and high insulin or young boys that have more like fat on their chest or man boobs, as many people mm-hmm. call them, you know, like going to the beach, we'll see this like, you know, instantly. And I'm like, we have a problem, you know? So I think the earlier we're, di- we're dialed into this concept, the better. I, I I think about this question all the time, and I've asked it different ways <clears throat> to different people. We know more than ever. We have, you know, knowledge at our fingertips, and everyone's been talking for 20 years about how it's getting worse and worse, and people are more and more obese. And you just mentioned, like, young kids, the health and obviously we have technology, so we're more sedentary okay. and our food is wild, right? It's just the wildest. Like you go into the grocery store and you go, I think we should stop looking at it as food. It's just something else. It's packaged goods that we buy mm-hmm. and we put in our mouth. I don't, it's not really the definition of food. When you sit back from your vantage point of somebody who's informed and you see patients all of the time, for a regular person who can barely look up from their job and they've got kids or they don't have kids and they're just trying to do their best. Yeah. In 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 just the simplest way, you know, what what sort of few things would you say to them because obviously we're not getting it. Right. Like either we don't value it, we only value it's only when it's too late or we're just doing lip service to it. Part of me sometimes feels like, hey, people are so overloaded that they can't even get to the place cognitively or emotionally to make the better decision. Mm-hmm. So how do we lovingly kick them in the ass to go, hey, listen, just f- these four or five things. Like if you're serious and you want to, or you can't get out of your own way, yeah. but you want to try to get to a better place. This is the part that I'm so interested in because it's like, how do we reach them? Yeah. And you know, what are the basic principles that it's like, Hey, for two months, for three months, focus on this, this, and this. I don't know. Yeah, I've struggled with that too, because I will deliver massive amounts of information to people and they're not really able to make the majority of that information actionable, right? I'm actually super fascinated by that. And here is where I've landed, which, you know, we, this can go in a couple of different directions. I think the fundamental issue is this elevated cortisol and stress that everybody from our children to our seniors experience. And when you're in that elevated stress state, you can't decision make. You can have all the intellectual knowledge in the world, but you make decisions emotionally. So you're going to react to what feels good in the moment, right? Whether you know all the things you know about it. So I think for everyone, whether you are an, you know, an adult, whether you're a mom, you know, a dad, it doesn't matter who you are, I would pull back and 
and understand and try start to define what your values are as an individual or as a family. And I think in that arc of values, the ability to stop and breathe and plan for your health and wellness needs to be there. It needs to actually be present there. Because if it's not, you're going to continue to run from, you know, I'm good, I'm bad. That, that's a lot of what I hear. I was good. I was bad. I was good. I was bad. You know, it's like the sort of like yeah. bebopping mentality that we're constantly trying to break. So I think, really the first thing that needs to happen as I've done this long, I wouldn't have given you this answer 10 years ago, but the answer today is, is like, I think people need to slow down. I think they need to take a hard inventory and look at their lives. And I think they need to understand that they have to take, whether it's two hours a week, 10 minutes a day, you know, however they want to structure it. Right. And we do a lot of that too, is trying to help them structure this is where is your food coming from for the next five days? You know, where, what is your sleep cycle going to look like over the next five days? What do we need to do to plan to like help you with recovery if you're Mm -hmm. on a work trip or business trip or whatever it is? And then where, where are the meals that you're not going to eat within the home? And where are the meals that you're going to eat outside of the home? And I think once you start to actually execute some planning, when you're in the moment, it's easier to make a decision. It's easier to make, you're not so emotional. But I think aside from that, there's some rules that everyone, even our kids can follow. Quit snacking, eat three times a day, you know, have good four hour spacing between meals. Don't eat about three or four hours before bedtime. The gut needs to rest and get rid of the junk. Just get rid of the processed high salt, you know, fast foods, foods with a lot of dyes and additives in it. If you can at least start there before we start debating gluten and dairy and soy and everything else, if you can at least start there, that's a win, you know, because that stabilizes blood sugar, that stabilizes insulin, that's going to help with a healthier night's sleep, it's going to improve gut health, and everyone can do that, right? But again, if you're not through that planning and through those initial steps, also thinking, you know, like, how do I plan my food, our food, you know, whatever else, then you're not going to be there. Like I came here to LA, I live in Atlanta. I've planned the whole week's food, you know, it's all set up in the refrigerator, you right. know. Well, because- and it's also easy in LA. It's easy. Well, I don't. I don't live here, right? No, but, but I, I planned need it to for come the, visit here. Totally, it's easier. It's easier here. Yeah. But like, I left three people behind, right? Oh, so I oh, had. You super-mommed it. I supermommed oh, it, but yes. I've planned it all the way out so that there's no like, oh, we don't have anything to eat. I'm going to Uber Eats. I'm going to Postmates. I'm going to do all this other stuff, you know. So it's it's that. But I would have done that anyways. I do it for me, you know. It. So it's like that sort of like this is a value. Like I could have been doing twenty other things yesterday, right? It's like making sure your kid right. gets picked up if they're not a Correct. driver. It's like, well, we planned on Wednesday. Someone's grabbing them, right? I mean, I think you build it in. You build it in, like build everything. It, build it into everything else and make it a value and a priority, right? Rather than like, I'll figure it out when we get there. When you're sitting you know? there doing the meals and you have a practice and you're coming here to be a badass and like be <laughs> in front and talk about your book, are you like, I can't believe I'm sitting in this stand? Because I actually have learned to have a sense of humor about yeah. how ridiculous it is sometimes. Like, you know, container, 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 totally. container. Here's your food. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, these are grown ass people or big totally. people. And I think sometimes just having a little fun with it, but also knowing it makes me feel good. Makes me feel better at the end of the day. But are you sitting there sometimes? It's our favorite question. One o'clock, two o'clock. I call, I tell my friends and actually my middle daughter cooks with me. Yeah. 
favorite question in the world. I have a What's million for dinner, meetings. Mom? What's going to be <laughs> yes. for dinner? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. dinner, you know, like at a yeah. certain point, I think people have to realize how do you make peace with a rhythm with if it is important to you, yeah. you're going to kind of feel that way. You're not be like, I'm so excited to figure out what yeah. I'm making for dinner no. tonight. It's like, no, but the, we, we're doing it. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. I think, where am I with this? So I've been married 20 years. My children are 14 and 16. Yeah. You're right in the thick of Practice it. Practice is 15 years old. So you're just talking <laughs> to me at a different stage. If you talked to me probably 10 years ago, I'd be pissed off. I'm like, I have all this shit to do. Yeah. And you guys want me to cook and to meal plan yeah. and to do all the stuff. Yeah. But where I've landed is we all do better when I do that. You know, all of us as a unit. So I, that's where I am now. I've accepted that nobody else caretakes in the family like I can, you know. Or nor you want to. If you farmed it out, like I do farm out cooking to my one daughter when she offers. But in the beginning... Oh, I, I, even though I'm like, oh, thank God she's doing it. It, it was, was like, like oh, wait. <laughs> what is this? And actually, in some ways, she's a better cook, right? Yeah. And then my husband goes on and I'm like, all right, all right. Like, you know, yeah. he's like, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. I've been doing that for 25 years. Right. Could we, you know, but right. the point is, is it's on us too to realize. Someone said, listen, also the way our brains work. You said it in the beginning of this conversation. There's things in our nature. Correct. So That's within this actually is I'm honoring myself and the Correct. way I want to do it. But anger, by the way, can be a really good emotion. Oh, yeah. You can get some stuff done <laughs> angry. And so I want to remind people, don't let it eat you from the inside out. No. But you can use that anger and be in there and be like, these people, they can't even make their own dinner and whatever. But I think sometimes using all the emotions in a healthful way, feeling them, honoring them, even joking with a girlfriend like, yeah. you know. I think it's all the phases and stages. Like you spelled it out here in all of the different phases. And, right. And to encourage people, like, what am I feeling? Don't eat it. Don't pack it down. But maybe even have fun with, no, this is what I'm choosing. Right. Because also our brain works differently than everybody else's. Like my husband, they used to say, oh, you're mad. You walk. He walks by the socks 17 times. Oh, of course. And then someone's yeah. like, no, you don't even get it. He doesn't see the socks. <laughs> Why am I pissed? He didn't right. see the socks. Right. I see the socks. And so I think it's it's also a little a little bit of of that. Um I could I could go on and on, but I I do want to ask you cuz I I didn't know this uh-huh. that there were three types of hormones. Protein hormones, liquid hormones, and amino hormones. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And they function differently, but they're all equally important, you know, so, and they work in different ways in the body, which is why when we go back to food, you have to have the spectrum of macronutrients, right, to be able to build hormone effectively. But even though there are three different types of hormones, the fundamental building block for all of them is cholesterol. And so many people forget that like, if we don't have enough good, healthy fat, or we're not metabolizing fat effectively, which is a issue nowadays, then you're not going to build hormone. So this idea of building hormones, whichever type is really rooted in, in kind of that, in getting enough good, healthy fats and protein. And isn't our brain really made of, like a lot of it's made of cholesterol. Totally. Yeah. Which always, we're not going to get into this now, but I always thought about people who were taking, lowering their cholesterol with cholesterol medicine and then some somehow they end up with Alzheimer's later down that you kind of go, Oh, I don't know. Is there, there's definitely a link, some connection. There is a link. Yeah. And I personally have genetically super high cholesterol always have, cause I started getting my blood work in my twenties. So that's yeah. when I learned Yeah, and apparently it's fine. And I have no, uh, it's not like, uh, 
they don't, there isn't really a, a connection with your heart health. There's, I don't know where at least got into all that too. Like high cholesterol, right. dangerous for your heart. It's like, mm, is that, that's mm-hmm. not actually the There's link. a whole population of folks that have high cholesterol. It yeah. has nothing to do with their heart health. Right. But there is a subpopulation that have, and cholesterol we can get into yeah, in another, detail, but, that, but it's, uh, but they actually have a cardiovascular risk. So you have to sift through the mm. different types of people, but right. it does impact your cognitive health. Yeah. It does impact your brain health. Isn't for that, sure. Isn't that, wouldn't you be pissed like 20 years down the road? You'd be like, oh yeah. Wait, I've been taking this for that. That maybe isn't even for that. Right. And now I'm losing my mind. Right. I, okay. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, must yeah. be super, <laughs> you must be really popular at the medical conferences. Popular? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Like, you're like, excuse me. I don't know if I feel that way. Why won't you go away? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more of it. Thank God. Yeah. Justin, you get your one question. So uh, flipping through the book, is there something a supportive partner can do for someone that's on this path besides, hey, I read this book and gently slide it over there. You should check it out too, or support something a supportive partner can do. Yeah. Cause I like that. This isn't the end. Like it's Mm -hmm. not like a a death sentence. Like you can, it's super easy steps that anyone can get started, but just. Yeah. I mean, I think, so do you want me to repeat the question or you want me to just go right into it? Go right into it. Okay. I think what partners can do is first of all, they also need to understand that like, you know, their wives or their partners not going crazy, right? That there's actually chemistry at work and that there really is a shift. So I think for them just to understand that and then to support them in the journey of getting answers, you know, and one of the things we deal with in practice is because, you know, we're getting so much information, you know, the husbands are kind of left on the outside of that conversation. And I think if they were brought in and they were able to also see how the puzzle pieces work together, I think that they would be a great accountability partner, coach for, for their wives, you know, and, you know, and I don't mean to just set up husband, wife, but however that dynamic, you know, works. But, but I think if you can get both people in a family, everybody in a family, like we can even include, you know, kids, but if you can get the whole family educated about what's going on with one another, then they can be mirrors for each other and really help them with what needs to happen next, you know, and be supportive in that, you know, like, let me take you to the doctor. Let me help you get your labs done. Let me go get whatever you need. You know, those little things go such a long way. And I got one for you on the rare occasion, cause I'm pretty even killed. My husband's the emotional one in the family, mm-hmm. three daughters and him. And he is, God bless him. You know, he's amazing. <laughs> But he just gives me a hug. Oh, I love that. When he sees me, like, he can see, he can see, like, ooh, mm-hmm. it's getting to her today, or there's just too many things on the docket. And instead of launching back at me, he'll just come up and give me a hug. Yeah. And he he did read somewhere that women need to be held for 30 seconds and it downregulates them. Men only need 15. Mm-hmm. So I watched him muscle my daughters. They're like, get away from me. I don't don't touch me. And he just has them. Oh. And I you can love see the that. body go boom. He'll do it to some yeah. of my friends that are wound up. Yeah. He I see it and you see the whole body just go boom. And so Justin, just muscle that hug. Cause it, it really sometimes <laughs> it's like I feel overwhelmed. Is there anything you you have a full life and so you're not gonna get away from the stress? So besides eating well and having a certain perspective and checking your hormones, are there other things that you encourage people who, hey, it's like, or, or, you know, college students or they're getting their master's and they're working. It's just, you're not going to get away from it. Do you ever say to them, is there something that they can do to support their hormones during that time? I mean, I think, 
again, it's, and I never want to tell people what to do because I want them to do things that they get really excited about and they look forward to because then they're going to do it more. But everything from just first thing in the morning or last thing at night, you know, just 10 minutes of meditation is something I swear by. And that could be, it could look in so, it could look like so many different things. It could look like journaling, like you're actually writing. That's meditative. It could look like a morning yoga practice. Mm-hmm. It could look like opening up your apps and playing, hitting Spotify and searching meditation. I've done that before and just listening to one of those. It could be doing a sound bath. I mean, whatever it is that you get really lit up about that you look forward to, like, oh my gosh, this morning I get to do X, Mm -hmm. then just those 10 minutes set the tone of your entire day, down-regulate cortisol, much like that hug you were talking about, and kind of keep you in a better emotional rhythm or vibration for you to make the decisions you need to make, right? Mm -hmm. So when you hit like 10 o'clock and something's going on, you know, you're not going to decompensate or keep reaching for sugar or caffeine or something to medicate you because you've already medicated yourself with some of these practices. So when I'm moving around the world, I may not have the opportunity to go do acupuncture or go get a massage or do all the things I like to do or go to hot yoga which I love, but I can do that, right? I can do that anywhere I am. And it truly does set the tone of my day. And I look forward to it, you know, every day to do those things. Well, Dr. Taz, I think the book, whether you are 13 or 80, I think it's, it's just so clear. And so, um, there's a lot of information, but you did manage to do it in a way that's completely just easy to understand. And, and, uh, and like I said, I was sharing it with my 20-year-old yesterday. And Good. We were, I was like, oh, yeah, the pelvis anger and, you know, all this. I was like, that's me, you know, yeah. tight hips, you know, things like that. So the hormone shift uh, is the book. And also I will say there's recipes. So for if people really yeah. feel like they need a real landing point, right. you put it all in here. Um, can you just direct people to all the places that they can find you? Definitely. Well, the book you can purchase anywhere books are sold. It's on Amazon and all the other sites. Uh, I'm on social media. It's Dr. Taz uh, MD. And then I have a podcast, Superwoman Wellness as well, where we bring amazing guests on there to dive into some of these different topics. And I'm on YouTube too. So everywhere, kind of everywhere, all the different platforms. Does it ever surprise you? I'm always interested in these like highly intelligent, well-educated people. And all of a sudden you're having to figure out how to communicate on YouTube. Totally. Are you like, what the hell is this my life? Like people, you know, well, like you trying know to do bite-sized nugget yeah, information. I like communicating. I don't think I have an issue with that, but I have an issue with, I've said this 20 times, why do I have to do oh. another video or talk or post about this again? And my team will always remind me like, people need to hear it. They need yeah. to keep hearing it. And what seems very elementary to you is gold for them. So I yeah. hope that's true. And all that information is of value as it goes yeah. out there. Well, and these are the principles, right? You're just reminding and reinforcing the principles, right. which actually is comforting. If I'm an audience, I'm like, she seems, this feels really important because she says it like every six months. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for your time. And thanks You're for welcome. spending so much time. I don't know how you had time to do it, but the hormone shift. Thank Congratulations. You. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. All you have to do is go to gabriellereese.com or head to the episode show notes to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, podcasts, and so much more. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and send them to at Gabby Reese on Instagram. And if you feel inspired, please subscribe. I'll see you next week. Seek 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.